Welcome back to the Sporting Around the World podcast, episode 39, Sports in Argentina. My name is Bobby, and joining me as always is David. So this is our 20th country profile episode, and every 10, we intend to cover a giant in the world of sports. So for country number 10, we did Australia, so give it a listen if you haven't already. And for number 20, it's another country that starts with A. I feel I know the answer to this, David. But what comes to mind when you think of sports in Argentina? I guess just Messi. And then you, of course, like the recent World Cup. But just Lionel Messi. Not soccer. Just just, just Messi. I guess and the hand of God. Oh, That's yeah. <laughs> Got to bring up Maradona. But yeah, I mean, soccer, obviously the big football, if you want to call it that. Yeah, I mean, the recent World Cup really put them on the map. So it kind of helps. With this episode, Argentina is pretty relevant in the world of sports right now, when arguably the biggest sports tournament in the world. But we'll get to that. We'll get to all the sports of Argentina and some stuff that you're not familiar with in due time. But like always, we'll start with a little bit of background on Argentina. So I feel most people know where it is on a map. It takes up the southern portion of South America, bordered by Chile to the west, and then Clockwise around it, you've got Bolivia, Paraguay, Brazil, and Uruguay. And then the East Coast borders the Atlantic Ocean. Now, I said that most people know where Argentina is because it's really big. David, do you want to guess where it ranks among the largest countries in the world? Oh, in like size? Oh. Yeah, total area. Oh, geez. Um, is it like top, top, top 20 at least? Yeah. It's actually top 10. It's eight. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, it was big. It's big, but I was, I was, I was concerned of <laughs> getting it very wrong. Cause I, you know, just some countries are weird shapes, hard to really like grasp area on some of them, but yeah, it, it is, it is big. So top 10, eighth, you said? Yes. Eighth, 2.7 million square kilometers. And yeah, it's very long. And I think that's what throws people off like North to South. Not many countries run that direction. So, you know, Going across the same latitude, you got the same climate. Argentina has a variety because it's so long. Like you got rainforests in the north, farmland in the center, beaches along the east coast. Then you have the Andes Mountains in the west coast, or not the west coast, the west border with Chile. And then in the south, you get to the Patagonia region, and it's like a cold desert climate. And like all the way at the south is Tierra del Fuego, which is an archipelago shared with Chile. And yeah, the towns down there, like the furthest south in the world. Uh, I actually got a picture for you of this. It looks like a town in, in Norway or Sweden or something like that. But that's Argentina. Yeah, um, it makes sense, you know, looking at it on the map. But it this, uh, y you could have fooled me. I think you could you could have said like, oh, yeah, which Nordic country is this? And I would have guessed one. And they're like, wrong, it's Argentina. And uh, it doesn't look right for whatever reason, and I don't know why. Right. Something about our, you know, limited geographical, uh, geography teaching in our, you know, less than stellar public education. <laughs> well, I mean, that's true. But so many people live in the northern hemisphere, so you just assume, oh, if you're cold, you live up north. But in the southern hemisphere, and there's just not much land at the very south part. So, yeah, snowy mountains and, like, this is a harbor city. I don't know which city this is, but there's like tens of thousands of people living down in that area. So it's not like some uh, sparsely populated part. Like there, there's a lot of people. One other thing, though, about the landscape of Argentina, 
I just find this stuff really cool. The rain shadow effect. So South America is pretty narrow towards the south part with Argentina and Chile. And because you have the Atlantic Ocean on one side and the Pacific Ocean on the other, the ocean currents in those two oceans, they spin different ways. So what happens because of the Andes Mountains in the Atlantic side, so like northern Argentina is very green, the rainfall hits there. But then in the south part, it is very barren, it's desert climate. While on the Pacific side, the southern part of Chile gets a lot of rain, but the north part of Chile, because of the Andes Mountains, gets no rain. It's actually the driest desert in the world, the Atacama. So it's really cool. I got the picture for you. I think that stuff is really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's the opposite, which is, you know, kind of funny. You would assume that it would stay the same where more of the vegetation and uh, would be, you know, on the north, northern side, you know, matching Argentina. But uh, no, because of the Andes Mountains, how they, how they flow through, it just uh, kind of, I guess, separates those two sections of fertile land. Yeah, uh, I don't know if you can see like a double rain shadow effect anywhere else in the world. But yeah, cool stuff. If you're interested in it, go look it up. <laughs> uh, oh, one other thing is the Aconcagua Mountain. Uh, it's the largest or tallest mountain in South America that is in Argentina as well in the Andes. So a lot of cool features in Argentina. But yeah, moving on, people. I'll let you guess the population like usual, David, but won't let you go in blind. I'll just give you an over under 50 million is Argentina over or under that. I'm going to say under just because, you know, with how big it is, you would think huge population. So I'm going to go under. So, yeah, uh, 45 to 46 million is where we're at. Not to say that's a small country, but, you know, still at the same time, you know, when it's the eighth largest, you know. You could easily be led astray on population size. Right. And you consider the whole southern part is like a cold desert. <laughs> that Not too, as many that people there. Most people live in the north and east part of the country, particularly around the capital city, Buenos Aires. But there's other notable cities. You got like Cordoba, Rosario. But yeah, most people in the north and east. And who the people are? Roughly 85% are of European origin. So you could say Argentina is the whitest country in South America. Uh, I read somewhere like 50 to 60% of all Argentinians are of Italian descent. And then there's also a large Spanish descent population too. And then you got around 12% of the population, either mestizo or indigenous, and then a small minority of people of African or Asian origin. And yeah, they speak Spanish, uh, if you didn't know. I really want to be like any Germans there. <laughs> the probably the, I saw somewhere there was a Welsh community in Argentina. That's crazy. I was more referring to the Nazis. Oh, Isn't that where they well, said some of them went? Argentina. Yeah, Argentina? yeah. Argentina, I I think Brazil too. But yeah, I wouldn't have guessed um, Italian. You know, out of, out of nowhere. Well, you look at some of the last names. Like I think of the soccer players. I'm like, I can see it. I guess, yeah, thinking about it now, you can definitely see the kind of, yeah, very Italian, you know, sounding and like looking. But yeah, that, that's a news to me. Well, and it's relevant because when you look at the sports that they play, there's a lot of European influence that you don't see in the rest of South America. But first, little quick history rundown. All right. Argentina had a lot of small tribes. The Incas actually had part of the north part of Argentina at one point, but 
of course, the Spanish come in. That's in the 1500s. They colonize the area. We'll fast forward in time. 1810, there was a revolution. And then independence happens in 1816. And that's true. A lot of South America and Central America was gaining independence around that time. But we've seen this before. After independence, there were a bunch of civil wars in the country. That lasted till the 1850s. And then you get an economic boom in the late 1800s. And that's when a lot of the European immigrants came. And that's also when a lot of sports were spread around the world too. And then you get into the 1900s. I saw like the word coup popped up a lot when I was reading the history. It seemed like there was a lot of government changes. There was a guy named Juan Perón, who I don't know much about, but he seemed like a character with a lot of mixed feelings. I'm sure if you took any political science classes, you've read about this guy. Peronism, like that's a word in terms of like political ideologies. Then things got kind of bad in the late 70s and early 80s. But today, Argentina is a regional power, maybe not a global superpower, but definitely have a lot of influence in uh, the Americas. Yeah, so kind of a similar story that we've covered. I guess the world's not too different, especially in, you know, when you look at like the comparison between South American and, you know, Africa, they kind of have generally the same kind of story where it's, you know, colonialism independence and figuring it out yeah i think in the case of south america it is a largely spanish colonization then that all ended and then where do the european powers go next oh let's look at africa and asia and then it started all over again but yeah you're right we've seen a lot of stuff repeating in history and this is only our 20th country episode we're gonna see a lot over the course of this process but let's move on to the sports it's the reason you're here Uh, We usually start off these country episodes with soccer slash association football. It is the most popular sport in the world. And in the case of Argentina, we're talking top five strongest countries ever in the sport. I mean, we just talked about the World Cup most recently. They were champs. Yeah, I feel like historically they were, you know, seen as like a dominant country. And I think, you know, they're still seen as that, but I think this World Cup definitely kind of hammered it in into place. You know, for a while we were kind of getting overloaded with Europe and then Brazil doing very well in the World Cup. And I think the question in a lot of people's mind, the last few World Cups is, you know, is Messi going to get one? And pretty much as late as you possibly could. (laughs) (laughs) I know the coach said that there was a spot for him on the team, you know, next World Cup if he wanted it. uh, We'll see. But um. Yeah. And then, you know, obviously it's not just him. There was a a really good roster for Argentina. You know, I'm sure you know all the players more than I do, but, you know, <laughs> Di Maria. Um, yeah, no, yeah. No he's been around there for a while. Yeah, He's kind of older, too, though, now, isn't he? Yeah, I think he might be the same age as Messi. Uh, it was a long time coming for Messi. I think a lot of people are really happy that he finally got one. And they, yeah, like you said, a lot of notable players on that roster. And they've had a lot of notable players throughout their history, too. But getting ahead of ourselves a bit, because all of that talent that Argentina's had, whether it be from the national team or playing at the club level in Europe, they got their start somewhere. And that somewhere is the Argentina Primera Division. So this league, you can make a case top 10 strongest in the world, uh, just in terms of talent level. I would say it's definitely the second best outside of Europe. Uh, Just Brazil, probably a bit deeper than them. But it is also one of the largest leagues in the world. They got 28 clubs this season in 2023. 
I'd say half of them are around the Buenos Aires area. But this is the cool thing, David. They don't do a traditional relegation system. So what they do is whoever finishes last place, they get relegated. But the other two teams to get relegated, they base it off this coefficient. It sounds scary, but it's basically just your points per game over the last three seasons. So in soccer, you get three points for a win, one point for a draw, zero points for a loss. So they just look at how many points per game you've had over the last three seasons. So if you're around that one point per game mark, you're in relegation territory. Seems like concerning, but I guess you would probably know if you were in trouble and it's like, all right, we got to do something this year. We got to uh, put put the, put the ball in the net and, uh, you know, up our goals per game and, you know, not don't let it even be a factor. But uh, still terrifying, you know, to be like, you know, we're the team that's going to be relegated most likely, you know, but when the season starts right. or whatever. Yeah, I, I think the reason that they did it is to incentivize teams. Say you have a mediocre team that does really well one season. Maybe they qualify for a South American competition. You see it a lot in Europe, teams who do really well one season, then they're playing in more cup competitions the next year. Then their results start to struggle just because of the congestion of their schedule their squad gets more tired and then results start to falter so i think they have this system in place to prevent that and to incentivize teams to try to do your best at every competition because if you do poorly in the league it may not get you relegated it seems like a very interesting way to do it and you know i guess you can't argue that you didn't deserve to be relegated you know with this system you know you can't be like you know that's not fair you know (laughs) yeah yeah like one bad season will kill you but if you have three, <laughs> you kind of deserve it. As for who the clubs are, Argentina has a big five. So those teams are River Plate, Boca Juniors, Racing Club, Independiente, and San Lorenzo. Now, all five of those have won the Copa Libertadores. It's basically, it's the Champions League of South America. So you are the club champ of the continent. Independiente have actually won it seven times, which is a record. But they're not one of the two clubs I want to highlight. Those two are River Plate and Boca Juniors. They're the two most popular in Argentina, both based in Buenos Aires. River Plate have 37 league titles. Boca have 35. And it might be the most heated rivalry match in the world, maybe in all of sports, honestly. It's called Super Classico. And we'll just look at last weekend's result as evidence of this heated rivalry. There were six red cards handed out due to a fight that broke out after River Plate converted a late penalty to win the game. Jesus. Six? Six, yes. Three for each team. That's insane. And then just the combined league titles is gross. Yeah, yeah. It is absolutely filthy. I think they've got more than double whoever's in third place. I I think Raisin Club might be in third. But yeah, 37 and 35, and you're in the same city. Minus, like, the potential violence. I'd, it'd be cool to go to a game. <laughs> right. See, this is the funny thing. Like, when I was looking this stuff up, I saw the result. Like, oh, six red cards given out in Super Classico. I was like, oh, yeah, I saw this a couple of years ago. Oh, wait, this is a this happened again. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this has the reputation being a very heated, violent thing. Yeah, and you throw in the fans, like, the ultras into this. Maybe I don't want to go. <laughs> what is a what's the box seating looking like? Uh, how does someone separate themselves from the crowd? It seems like that'd be the safest place to be. But yeah, I can't imagine 
the amount of like tension and I'm sure both clubs and their fans just completely load the other one. I would, I, I wonder, you know, and I'm sure there have been just like people going from one club to the other and like, oh, that yeah. can't, you know, I, I imagine, you know, effigies are burnt, <laughs> you know, and like definitely jerseys, but you know, maybe more. And people think Philly fans are crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Go, <laughs> go to Buenos Aires. <laughs> we got nothing on them. I mean, Philly fans though, like climbing up light poles and burning stuff down for winning. <laughs> I can say that because I'm a Phillies fan. So, <laughs> uh, but let's move on to the international side of football. Argentina has a ton of accolades, but first I want to mention their jersey because it's one of the most iconic in the sport the light blue and white vertical stripes. I'd say that maybe Brazil's yellow and green kit is a bit more iconic, but this one is up there for me. I don't know about you. Yeah, I feel like there is no mistaking who you're looking at when you're looking at the Argentina jersey. I don't know. I it, it, yeah. The the Brazil yellow green definitely is you know like a top, but like I feel like very close second is is Argentina. Um, I don't even yeah. think any other like I feel like there's a drop off too. It's like you know Brazil, Argentina, and then like I don't even know who's next, but it's it's definitely a ways down. Yeah, I'd say maybe Netherlands just because they're orange and that's oh, yeah, pretty the distinct. Do look pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It, you you're, you're not confused at all when you see it. You know exactly. Like if you see someone in the distance wearing. The, the light blue and the white vertical stripes. It's like, oh, yeah. that person is wearing an Argentina jersey. Okay. Okay. I don't know if you remember this. It was really popular on like Reddit and a lot of social media sites. There was an Afghan boy who was wearing a trash bag that was blue and white. And then he wrote Messi and number 10 on it. So uh, he had a trash bag jersey for Messi that mimicked the Argentina jersey. And then he eventually got invited to meet Messi at a Barcelona game. So it was like one of those feel-good stories. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, incredibly just cute kid. And then like him with the, like, I guess it's like a youth kit, but he's so small that like it just, it looks ridiculous. I know the shorts are basically pants. Yeah, he, he's like only five, sh- I think. <laughs> uh, I, I bet there's a lot of um, homemade messy jerseys in the world or, you know, have been the past 10, 15 years, you know, just people wanting to, want, wanting to be messy. Yeah, yeah. Mimic your hero. Uh, But as for the team, Argentina were World Cup champs, 1978, 1986, and 2022. They've won the Copa America 15 times, which is a record, though keep in mind that in the early days of that tournament, not many teams competed. It's like finishing first out of three or four, not as prestigious as competing against all of South America. But also the U-20 team, They've won the World Cup a record six times. Uh, And of course, the rivalry with Brazil may be the biggest in international football. David, who do you think has the winning record in the Brazil versus Argentina matchup? Oh, no. Um, It's tough because I feel like they've both been so good for Mm -hmm. so long. You know, it's like, is it Argentina? Yes. Argentina has 20 wins. 14 draws and 18 losses. So it's very close. Yeah. I, uh, you know, cause you, you look back and you think of like all like the great Brazilian players, in it, but you know, there are still great Argentina players from those like eras too. So it's not like, you know, there was like a t- period where like Brazil was just kicking their teeth in and then, you know, Argentina had a period where they were kicking their teeth in. Yeah. You know, it's been pretty half and half. It feels like. Yeah. And the all time goal difference, Argentina has a two goal advantage. Ew. Insanely close. So literally, 
the things that are separating because they have two two more wins yeah are just one goal apiece like those games they just won by one goal yeah. i guess you know probably not like that if brazil wins their next two games against argentina one to nothing then it's perfectly even across <laughs> history gross yeah um now david i follow women's football pretty closely probably closer than most people in the world Honestly, I didn't know anything about the Argentina women's team, and I found out why. So 2023, they're going to be participating in the World Cup. It's their fourth appearance. But prior to this, how many games do you think they've won at the World Cup? I'm afraid of this answer. I'm going to say like one. Zero. (laughs) Okay, I had a feeling it was zero, but I wanted to give them credit. That's still none. Like, I always associate Brazil for being the dominant team in women's football in South America. Because, like, I didn't know this either. In the Copa America, which is the South American Championship, Brazil have won seven of the women's tournaments. Argentina did get the other one that Brazil didn't win. That was in 2006. But, yeah, Argentina is a step down in the the women's game. Yeah, and it sounds pretty significant in terms of, like, you know, where, where where the men's teams sit kind of, like, two like you know heavyweight boxers you know kind of going at each other and then you have like this where it's like almost like two different divisions you know with brazil and argentina and the women's side brazil is on the women's side is at the elite level like competing for world cup titles argentina is the next tier uh but we'll see if they can win one yeah regularly getting in yeah the the also ran as i like to say um yeah i hope they start doing well you would think um just with the success of the men's team it would perk some interest and you know maybe it just needs time yeah um we'll cover the women's world cup I mean, that's happening soon but we'll have an episode on that so tune back in (laughs) we'll we'll have our uh group stage predictions uh i don't want to ramble too long on football though just want to mention a few players though and let's be honest there are so many we could mention with argentina but we're going to limit it to the elites messi and maradona so Lionel messi diego maradona Probably two of the greatest players of all time. Probably put them both in the top five. Like, even if you don't follow football, you know who those two are. Uh, Maradona was the captain of the World Cup winning team in 1986. uh, Scored the famous Hand of God goal against England. Uh, One of the most controversial goals. And if uh, VAR existed back then, different story. But Messi, he was captain in 2022. So many accolades between the two of them. Like in the modern day, Messi versus Ronaldo, who's the greatest player? I mean, that was a debate for like 10 to 12 years. And then Maradona was the star player of the world in the 80s and was Argentina's answer to Pele, you could say. They didn't play at the same time, but after Pele retired, Maradona took up the mantle as the greatest in the world. Yeah, I feel like, yeah, if you if you know Maradona, you know that uh, famous goal. His quote was like really funny, right? It was, you know, it obviously, you know, it wasn't my hand. It must have been the hand of God or whatever that hit it, <laughs> hit it in or something, you know, and just the game's over. You know, you could say, <laughs> <laughs> you could say, it, maybe I hit it in. Um, yeah, he died uh, not too long ago, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Two or three years ago. Yeah, it was very recent. Um, Pele, oh, and Pele was very recent. That was in the past year. But I mean, it was the same situation where like murals going up everywhere. The whole world is like, the entire world of the sport is just mourning you because uh, you're, you're that level. Yeah. Yeah. Huge state funeral for Maradona too. I think when it happened, you know, basically the whole country just shuts down because, you know, 
you just mean so much to the country you know everyone you know knows your name and you're you're just uh the hero you know and you have a new hero now but you know you definitely mourn your old heroes too Mm -hmm. yeah i think in argentina there might be a bias towards saying maradona was better than messi i'm in the contemporary group because obviously i never watch maradona play live uh messi my pick greatest of all time i said it (laughs) hot take not really though not pretty not really mild, pretty mild take. Yeah, pr- pretty mid <laughs> uh, but there's a third player that i want to mention from argentina and he deserves a mention because not many people today are familiar with him and that's alfredo de stefano see before there was pele there was de stefano so he was born in argentina he actually played for the national team only six times and he also played for river plate at club level this was in the 1940s There was like a bunch of unfortunate stuff with the Argentina national team, like strikes and just withdrawing from tournaments. He ends up playing for a Colombian club team and then plays for the Colombian national team unofficially. But then FIFA comes in and they like ban him from playing for the Argentina team again. I'm sure I'm leaving out some details there. But eventually De Stefano moves to Europe, goes to Spain and plays for Real Madrid. And... We associate Real Madrid with being one of the dominant sides today. Well, the first ever European Cup, known as the Champions League today, was played in 1956, and Real Madrid won that with De Stefano leading the way. They actually won the first five European Cups. Uh, the thing is, De Stefano eventually became a Spanish citizen and was able to represent Spain internationally, but he never played in a World Cup. And so today, maybe one of the 10 greatest players ever, but he never played for a World Cup and also played for three different national teams. Yeah, that's crazy. So did he win all of those, all five? Or was it just, yeah, I was yeah. just saying, yeah. That's yeah, crazy. he was on all five. Like he was one of their star players for Real Madrid. Gross. That's disgusting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there's that kind of taste of Italian yeah uh, the name <laughs> alfredo <laughs> yeah just an unfortunate situation unfortunate timing and i'm sure if you were playing today then things with the national team would have been much different and his legacy getting to play for argentina would be so much greater because today he's really just associated with real madrid he's not associated with a country we'll say that but anyway enough with football slash soccer let's move on to other team sports And the one that we seem to bring up every episode other than soccer is basketball. So Argentina, they're full of accolades here too. I mean, the men's national team were actually 1950 world champs, believe it or not. Uh, But the results in the 2000s, that's what I want to highlight. They've won the America Cup three times. They've been World Cup runner-up twice. And what I'd call their crowning achievement, they were gold medalists at the 2004 Olympics They defeated Serbia, Greece, the United States, and Italy on their way to the gold. Yeah, is basketball just like the second most popular? And that's not true because, you know, we'd probably say cricket. But like in terms of like world, it seems to be the second one. You know, everyone's playing it. Everyone's playing it. Everyone's trying to be the best. Like not everyone's trying to be the best at cricket. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of localized in like one area or I guess, you know, one chunk of the world. Whereas, you know, it seems like everybody's playing basketball and trying to win everything. Yeah. And Argentina, they they did that against some of the, 
I guess, other powerhouses of the world in basketball. I mean, the U.S., that alone, huge accomplishment. Yeah, I feel like, you know, winning gold, obviously a huge achievement. But if you're taking out the U.S. in the Olympics, it's uh, you are um, you're pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good. <laughs> Uh, you're probably familiar with this guy. The star from that tournament was Manu Ginobili, who played with the San Antonio Spurs in the NBA, four-time NBA champ with them. And he's in the Hall of Fame, too, for basketball in the U.S. Odd thing with him in his career, like he was, he played guard, like shooting guard, but he was really a sixth man most of his career. Like He came off the bench for the Spurs, played a lot of minutes, but he was hardly ever a starter for them. Yeah, I think... And the, the sixth man has always been a thing in basketball, but I feel like he took it to a, another level. Like he was putting up numbers and, you know, it's crazy to think he wasn't starting doing what he did. Yeah, I, I guess a lot of people, I think, in the NBA would take issue being permanently used as a sixth man when you are good enough to start. I Ultimate team player, I guess you could say. Yeah, yeah. I, I Yeah, I can understand, you know, if it's like I could go somewhere else and be a starting player, why would I stay here? sit on the bench and come in, you know, whenever I meet it. Um, but at the same time, four, cha- four championships. A lot of people wouldn't be too upset with that. Yeah. But I guess you have egos with, with stars. You know, anytime you're very good at something, you've probably been told your whole life, you're the best kid and you're going to be a star. <laughs> and like, yeah. it's hard to kind of shake those egos. I mean, you, you already won Olympic gold. You eventually got into the Hall of Fame. So great career. And his number is retired by the Argentina national team. And I think with the Spurs too. So... Yeah, probably Argentina's greatest basketball player. Uh, as for the women's national team, probably more in the good category than great. But what I do want to mention is the Liga Nacional de Basket, which is Argentina's domestic basketball league. Outside of the NBA, and I guess the G League as well, I'd say it's the best league in the Americas. And we've seen this a lot in other countries. A lot of the famous football clubs from Argentina also have a basketball team, San Lorenzo being one of the most relevant right now. Uh, it's just interesting that other countries do that. The U.S., it's not really a thing. But imagine like New England Patriots basketball. I guess it's kind of similar in ways that like there are owners who have stake in multiple teams. Like uh, who, who owns Arsenal? He owns like all the Colorado teams, except for the Denver Broncos. Right, right. And the Rams, you know, so it's it's kind of similar, but it's also not because it's not the same organization and you're not like, it's not a club, I guess. You know, that's kind of how they are perceived and you just have teams out of that. But um, yeah, I, I think it would be funny if we just had like, you know, multiple teams in all the, or, you know, same name, same mascots yeah. in all the, all the major sports. I, I think that would be kind of cool because you see like the dominant teams in Europe, like oh Real Madrid, that's soccer. But then they're also really, really good at basketball too. And I'm yeah, sure they're yeah, good at other sports. Water polo and like, you know. <laughs> and then they have an esports team. <laughs> or they might support chess. If if I was if I was if I was Jeff Bezos, I would just like sell Amazon and then just like buy a bunch of teams and just like <laughs> in each league and just name them, you know, the Amazon Primes or something. <laughs> he could buy a sports league. <laughs> <laughs> um, one other team sport that I want to mention is rugby union. So British immigrants brought the sport to Argentina. Today, they are the strongest country in the Americas at rugby. But uh, for a while, more in the good category than great at the international level. So the story here is after the 2007 World Cup, that was like the turning point for them. They beat Ireland Scotland and France twice at that tournament ended up finishing third overall. 
And since then, rugby has skyrocketed in popularity. So South Africa, Australia, New Zealand, they would play in this tournament every year called the Tri-Nations because they're the three best in the Southern Hemisphere. But Argentina got to join them in 2012. So now it's called the Rugby Championship. So before this, Argentina, they were just beaten up on all of their local competition, but they weren't getting to that next level. Now they can compete with the best in the world. And they're seen as the fourth best in the Southern Hemisphere. Yeah, which is no joke because there are some powerhouses <laughs> in the in the it just in you know I guess in that rugby nation I, uh, rugby championship I feel like we should have called it quad 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 nation quad, <laughs> quad. <laughs> uh, but yeah that's definitely good company to be in South Africa Australia and New Zealand I mean that's tough you are playing with the best of the best and you know you definitely have to play people you know surround yourself with people that are better than you to get better I feel you know you yeah, can't yeah. really just beat up on you know the same people and you. Know, it's always like surround yourself with people that are, you know, smarter than you, you know, better than you, you know, understand the game more than you so that you can learn those things from them that just kind of just trickle off. You just catch it. And, you know, uh, they haven't won the rugby championship yet, but I guess eventually it'll happen. That's a Yeah. And that, that's a big ask. That's a yeah. big <laughs> ask. Like uh, for any relatively new, you know, rugby country, you know, like that's like you can set that on like the board as like, you know, your fork, you know, this is the, the dream one day, you know, but that's like. It's definitely like, uh, but we're not expecting to do it anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it, it is good taking the step up. Uh, they're definitely top 10 now. Like before, you could probably make the case that they were top 10, but now they're in the conversation of pushing forward and actually outside chance of maybe winning a, a world title. Yeah, uh, not, you know, one of the teams that you would like, you know, you're not a crazy person we're betting on. You know, you're not like, <laughs> you're not doing like a long shot. It's like, eh, it could happen. Yeah, yeah. Not completely out of the question. Uh, rugby, I've learned a lot about the landscape of that recently. Because before it was just the Tri-Nations, and then you had the Six Nations in the Northern Hemisphere, which was England, Scotland, Wales, Ireland, France, Italy. Right now you chuck Argentina into the mix. They're part of the Rugby Championship, which we, as we established, should be called the Quad Nations. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we still got a lot to get to, though. So for the sake of pacing, a little uh, quickfire here. Field hockey. Women's side, two-time World Cup champs. They dominate the Americas, as do the men's national team for field hockey, but they won gold at the 2016 Olympics. Women's team has not won gold at the Olympics, funny enough. Uh, You got handball and volleyball. Argentina is very good at both of those. Uh, Cricket is not necessarily relevant in the grand scheme of things, but they are the best team in South America, again, thanks to European descendants. And you could say the same thing about golf. Argentina, probably the most relevant in South America in golf. And Angel Cabrera, 2009 Masters winner. We covered that event not too long ago. Got to put on the green jacket. It's true. It's true. Yeah. I, you know, not mentioning it now, I do, I guess, recall seeing Argentina kind of competing in the field hockey events in the Olympics, you know, being, being up there. Uh, super bummed out. I, you know, a World Cup obviously is a great accomplishment, but, you know, an Olympic medal would be nice too. Kind of funny that you know, the men's team have it with what I, I assume no world championships. Correct. But yeah. <laughs> the, uh, you know, women's have two world championships and just haven't converted it into a gold medal just yet. Yeah. Well, women's field hockey. I didn't know this. So Argentina has two world cups, which is great. Uh, Netherlands has the most with nine. <laughs> Jesus. And I think Argentina's second. So yeah, it's just that much of a gap. Netherlands OP. 
nerf please nerf yeah <laughs> and yeah argentina is good at a wide variety of things that the rest of south america maybe isn't as relevant in so yeah there's a lot with argentina sorry to gloss over all of those but i want to highlight some stuff that's a bit more unique to the country uh some sports that are played on horseback we've got polo never mentioned it on this podcast before i actually never watched it before researching this episode i don't know about you david i've never watched yeah i feel like polo is one of those sports that like we think of being like i don't know it's kind of you know it's still going on but it's still kind of a surprise when you're like oh yeah this polo is still going on strong you know it it seems like a very um archaic sport here in the united states for whatever reason i'm sure it's still played a lot but it's kind of you know period movie you know about in the 1920s you know and it's like oh we're gonna go play polo (laughs) you know like uh the great Gatsby and Tom Buchanan, he plays polo, I think, in that. Uh, you right, know, so that's, right. Yeah, the kind of kind of kind of air I'm thinking of, you know. But yeah, I don't think I've ever watched polo. I've, I have a good understanding of horse ball and like the little mallet, you know, that you're hitting the ball with, but um, not too familiar with it. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned thinking about the olden days, like 1920s. Polo used to be an Olympic sport. I think you actually mentioned this on on a previous episode. But yeah, polo was a sport in the Olympics to like the 30s, and Argentina won gold <laughs> in polo at those games. Yeah, I think I do recall. Yeah, saying that, that used to be a sport, and that now now it's not. It's funny. I guess it just kind of slowed down everywhere else in the world. Kind of like baseball here. You know, when they took it out, it was like eh, USA. You're doing pretty well all the you know all the time. And there's only a few countries who compete in it. You know, let's go ahead and take it out. So maybe that was similar with polo. Oh, I remember that actually the reasoning. It was because of the war. They took it out because of um, they needed horses for the war. Uh, oh, the, right, the right. War. Yeah. I, and so just, I remember. Yeah. I remember. I remember. Yeah. Uh, but for the, the gist here, what is polo like? Four on four, you're on horseback, very large field, and you use a long mallet to hit a ball into your opposing team's goal. It's just like two little posts. Like imagine a field goal in like football or uh, rugby, Aussie rules, anything like that. It's not a net. But Argentina? Apparently, they're five-time world champs in polo, which is the most ever. And they have one of the most popular polo stadiums in the world, the Campo Argentino de Polo. Again, I'm not really in tune with the world of polo, so learning that they were the gold standard for the sport just kind of surprised me. Yeah, it seems like uh, Argentina pretty good at sports, just in general. But um, yeah, who would have guessed Argentina being, you know, the bar setter for, for yeah, polo? Yeah, yeah. I just assumed it would be like England. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, the other sport along with polo that is on horseback in Argentina is called pato. Now, this one was created in Argentina. It's very similar to polo. It is four on four. Again, you have a big field. But instead of hitting a small ball with a mallet, you play with what looks like a soccer ball, but it's got these leather straps all around it. Imagine the diagram for like an atom. That's what it looks like. And the riders will pick up the ball off the ground and they'll score it by throwing it into a vertical hoop slash net. Just imagine a giant butterfly net at either end of the field. That's what you're throwing it into. I'll stop there. What you think? It sounds like a combination of the the goat, the ghost part. <laughs> oh, yeah. Buskashi <laughs> or yeah, Kokuru. And then like Quidditch, honestly, you know, just like the vertical hoop, you know, just like uh, you know, throw it in. Um, that's uh, very interesting. I, it's yeah, it is adjacent to uh, to polo, but like very different. Yeah, yeah. Don't get the mallets. 
yeah, you just scoop up the ball off the ground with the leather straps. And so other people can steal the ball from you. You have to have it in your right hand and like hold your arm outwards. Like you can't hold it into your chest. Yeah, probably safer for the horses that way, you know. Well, yeah, like... it, in both Polo and Pato, there's rules about where the horse can come. Like you have to go from behind or from the side. Like you can't cut someone off. Yeah, you can't just go and, you know. T-bone. Joust, yeah. joust. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's very interesting. I would love to see this played. It seems very, uh, very interesting. And, you know, four on four probably would be, you know, easier to follow. I feel like. I think there's a more significant number of people in polo. So, you know, it's also four on four. Oh, okay. I thought maybe yeah, it yeah. was like more, more than that. There's like rolling substitutions in it. Hmm. The interesting thing, I don't know if you know Spanish and what pato means, it means duck, like the animal. <laughs> so yeah, apparently yeah. back in the day, they would use like a, I'm imagining a wicker basket or a picnic basket. And there was a live duck inside. And that was the ball. Jesus, that poor duck. Yeah. You can see why they stopped or like why it got modernized. <laughs> oh, gosh. Why? Yeah. Why, a, why a duck? <laughs> Just why a live animal in the ball? Like, uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> and something with wings that could fly out? Was was the yeah, duck is it just like freaking there? out constantly? Yeah, I, uh, I have questions, but we I, can't I go back too. in time we... and watch. <laughs> this is like the 1600s this happened. Yeah, I think like ranchers would play the sport. They just came up with rules, I guess. But let's move on. We got two other native sports to Argentina to mention. There is Sesto Ball. It looks like netball, and I wish I knew enough about netball to tell you the difference, but it looks like it was mainly played by schoolgirls, like it's just a school recreation sport. But the other sport is called Tejo. Now, this is in the bocce slash batonk family. We mentioned Patanka a lot recently, but uh, Bulls sports. Now, in Argentina, Tejo is played by two teams. Typically, you're going to be on the beach or just any form of sand. There's a small disc that serves as your target, and each team will throw out these discs called Tejos, and your goal is to get your discs as close to the target as possible. If you get one of yours closer than your opponent's, you get one point. You get two Tejos closer than your opponent's closest one. You get two points and so on. I mean, yeah, it's basically the same gist as all those other sports. But important thing, in Colombia, there's also a sport called Tejo. Very similar, but different. So if you're looking this up, Argentina Tejo. <laughs> yeah, very similar in concept to those other recreational tossing sports. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how you would combine them all, but if you've ever played any of them, very similar in terms of scoring and, you know, some changes, I guess, in terms of what you're throwing and how to throw it. But, you know, otherwise, you know, same sport pretty much. Yeah, these look like big hockey pucks and you're playing on the sand. So it's a surface that can absorb something. You're not really rolling. So it's more of just a straight toss and they're going to go more with a thud. They're not going to be rolling. <laughs> <laughs> so you can't really knock your opponent's stuff out of the way. So yeah, uh, I wonder. Yeah, I, I, I'm sure very good people can, but I feel like, yeah, like or, you know, I guess, you know, I, if maybe you're using like the slender side of it to kind of wedge yourself into between, you know, pieces that are closer to the ball or something. I don't know. Yeah, do it like a Frisbee. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just a little, a little spike into the into the uh, the dirt and then have it flop over towards the, the scoring. Uh, I'm assuming it's a disc as well, like a. Yeah, it's a small disc. 
like a small white disc you're aiming for. But yeah, that's Tejo. That's the unique sports of Argentina. We're going to move on to some of the individual sports, the more conventional side. Uh, and in Argentina, I guess this one makes sense given the Italian ancestry, but auto sports, auto racing is very popular there. And specifically Formula One. There were two big names that showed up a lot with Formula One in Argentina. And I was actually familiar with one of them, Carlos Rudiman. He was one of the best drivers in the 70s and 80s, won a ton of races, never won the world championship, though. Finished second once and then third place three other times. Uh, but he was a star racer. I don't know why I recognized his name. I, I think he might have been in the movie Rush uh, that we covered before his Nicky Lauda, James Hunt. Yeah, I really don't know. I, I don't know if you are familiar with Rudiman. Yeah, no, um, I think he is in that or... Yeah, in the on the IMDb there is someone who plays him. So he is okay. in that. Uh maybe it's just a passing name being, you know, shouted out uh during that movie. But yeah, I'm not really too and I say this, I'm not really too far into Formula One. I probably even haven't even touched the water in terms of like, <laughs> you know, what Formula One is. Like I understand, you know, Morocco is like or kind of uh or Monaco sorry, yeah. Monaco is like, you know, the big race that <laughs> has the similar thing with mini sports where it's historic but kind of bad <laughs> you know like not a good race but it's historic so we got to do it um so i'm not too far into formula one yeah i'm not too far into it either but it seems to be getting more popular here in the u.s we've got three races this season including the vegas strip one which seems really exciting uh but david i have a question for you do you know when formula one had its first championship or give a guess oh like the i'm gonna say like oh gosh the, the, the 20s i'll say the 20s uh so 1950 <laughs> oh, okay actually yeah. yeah not as far back as you'd think i was like you know some of those cars look really old like the the, <laughs> the old pictures of formula one they look ancient right so i think there were formula one races in the 1940s like after world war ii but there wasn't an actual championship tournament until i guess 50s. that was a bad guess because like the model t is like the 20s that was a terrible yeah. guess, actually in retrospect <laughs> I mean, there's probably racing as far back as you can get to cars. Oh, I'm sure as soon as the Model T was made, there were races. Like, yeah. I'm sure as soon as there were enough to go around, you know, after you dealt <laughs> with like people crashing into each other, because it's like nothing has been like this before. Um, <laughs> you know, we we started races shortly after. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to maybe we'll cover that sometime. That would be a fun dive in history. But the reason I mentioned Formula One's early years it's because the dominant racer of that first decade of Formula One was from Argentina, Juan Manuel Fangio, very Italian last name. But he was the <laughs> world champ in 1951 and 54 and 55 and 56 and 57. So five titles. That was a record until Michael Schumacher surpassed him in the 2000s. But crazy stuff about uh, his career. He was in his 40s when he won his first championship and in those five titles, they were with four different racing teams, Alfa Romeo, Maserati, Mercedes, and Ferrari. So you can't say that it was the car that gave him the advantage. Yeah. That's kind of filthy. And like, it seems like he was late just because it just started, you know, like it's, it's not even like, you know, you, you like pluck him up and you like move him, you, his birthday up or back, you know, a few, two decades and who knows, you know, what you get. I imagine, you know, reflexes change quite a bit when you start getting up there, you know, and it's just, racing gets harder when you get older, but 
That's crazy. And then four back to back to back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, again, different teams each year too. Uh, yeah, there was different circuits and whatnot before Formula One. Like he had other accolades in his career, but obviously dominating in Formula One when it's like a world circuit. And also Argentina had their own Grand Prix at that time. And I think he's the only Argentinian to win that. But moving on, before we wrap up with the Olympics, one last sport is tennis. So I'm not sure how prestigious the International Tennis Hall of Fame is, but uh, Argentina has two players inducted into it. Gabriela Sabatini, she was a star in the 80s and 90s, won an Olympic medal as well, and won majors in singles and doubles. But then on the men's side, Guillermo Villas, he won four majors between 1977 and 79. He won all of them except for Wimbledon. I think he won the Aussie Open twice. But the odd note with his career... He was never ranked number one in the world by ATP. Uh, There was this guy, Jimmy Connors, an American who was also really good and deservedly a number one. But there were these studies done afterwards that show that Vias should have been number one for at least a little bit in those years that he was at his peak. Because like every news outlet aside from the ATP was calling him number one in the world. I feel like that's just one of those things that means a lot to the person instead of the rest of the world but like ah the one official ranking didn't put you at number one in your career even though you were really good at one point yeah i feel like these kind of biases happen a lot in sports you know where it's like this person is you know quote unquote the best and it's for other reasons and i think you know there's probably an american bias too with uh jimmy connors and who was still really good but you know those four titles though four out of five in that span pretty disgusting yeah just a, a very brief period where he was like the best so yeah unfortunate he didn't get that number one ranking but being number two and in the tennis hall of fame which again don't know if that means too much like i'm not in the tennis community i don't know (laughs) how prestigious that is but one other tennis fact to hit you with between the 2005 french open and the 2012 wimbledon so that's 30 major tournaments that happen in that span rafael nadal roger federer and novak djokovic won 29 of 30 titles. The one exception, Juan Martin Del Potro, an Argentinian who won the 2009 US Open. First of all, you know, first part of that, gross. <laughs> that shouldn't. <laughs> uh, it's crazy how like top heavy men's tennis is. I guess tennis in general has, has been over the last few years. But um, yeah, I, I think I remember um, or remember watching Del Potro play that one because, you know, obviously anytime it's like, oh, one of the big three aren't going to win. And I guess, you know, for the front head of half of that, the big two. Yeah. It's always really exciting in the world of sport. You know, anytime there's like a chance. Uh, I'm glad uh, someone, uh, someone broke it up. <laughs> Happy it was an Argentinian. Yeah. Yeah. It seemed like the U S open was the one that the big three didn't dominate at as much. So like I looked through all of the results and it's like, Oh, that's where the random person is. That's breaking up this streak. And then of course you had like Vavrinka and Andy Murray in there too. Yeah, disgusting run of form. Proud of Del Potro. Just think if if those big three didn't exist, how different would the landscape look in tennis? Yeah, how good would Andy Murray be if they just all yeah just didn't exist? You know what what is Andy now? Granted, Andy Murray had a lot of injuries, but like came back from a lot you know injuries too. Like what would it be? Would it just be you know would it be a free for all and just like everyone someone knew one all the time? You know who knows? Yeah, I mean great for parity. Um, but I'm sure some sort of dominant force would emerge, but. 
we're going to wrap things up with the Olympics. I'll go ahead and say it that Argentina have won 77 medals across their history. But David, how many were in the Winter Games, do you think? Oh, God, I, I have no idea. Uh, I, we know they have mountains with snow, so it's not unrealistic to think, you know, Winter Games. I'm going to say, like, I don't know, seven? <laughs> it was a trick question. Zero. Okay, I had a feeling, but I, I didn't want didn't to call out the Argentinians. I was kind of surprised because, like, they've participated at the Winter Games just about every time. And again, like, they have cold climates there. I was kind of surprised. Oh, yeah, 77 is a lot. And when you're competing in both, you would think, like, surely at least one, right? Surely you've gotten one. But no, nothing for the Winter Games. All 77 from the Summer Games, which they've been around since the 1900 Olympics. I mean, there's been a few that they've missed here and there, but for the most part, they've been at every edition of the Games, both summer and winter. And a lot of success in the team sports. We mentioned field hockey, polo, basketball, also men's soccer. 2008, they won gold. And in men's soccer in the Olympics, it is limited to under 23 players or 23 years old and under players. I think you can have like three that are over age on each roster. But that 2008 team had Messi on it. And just the rest of the roster was stacked. Like you had Sergio Aguero, uh, Javier Mascherano, Angel Di Maria, like guys who went on to play 100 plus games for the senior side. And then they're all like in that young age. Filthy stuff. <laughs> yeah, anytime you have age restriction and like something aligns like that, you're like, mm, mm-hmm. no chance. <laughs> <laughs> Just the golden age. And I think, yeah, Messi and Di Maria were the only ones who were on the World Cup roster. But I mean, the rest of the team was pretty good too. But uh, in terms of the other sports, back in the amateur era of the Olympics, boxing was Argentina's most successful sport. I mean, they've had a lot of boxers since then that have been like world champs, uh, you know, had the world titles in different weight classes. I guess to mention one, Carlos Monzon, pound for pound, one of the greatest ever. But he was also known for his life outside the ring. I'm not going to bring it up here. Go look him up yourself, Carlos Monzon. But I want to end this one with a shout out. We're going to shout out Paula Pareto, world champion in judo and was the first woman from Argentina to win a gold medal in 2016. So I think it's safe to say Argentina's good at sports. Yeah, I mean, just a little bit. World <laughs> champs in like everything major. <laughs> Look, they play just about everything. They're very relevant in a lot of the major sports. And we had to skip over so much too, like just briefly mention it. I'm sure there's a lot of boxers that I could have hit on that. There's just too much to mention. But we got to shine a light on like the sports that maybe you aren't familiar with, like Pato and and the ducks that used to be inside of the ball. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there was a lot. And like, you know, you go into it and you're like, okay, I imagine a decent amount of this is going to be football, but you know, not at all. I mean, we definitely could have spent a ton of time on it, but um, and we we already kind of did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, even more time on it. But yeah, it's it's crazy to see how much success they've had and a lot of things that they do, you know, it's, it's one thing to do, you know, a lot of sports and participate on sports, but to be at some point, you know, elite level in them is, is crazy. Yeah. And yeah. And like I said, there is a lot, we could have gone deeper into like field hockey, I guess, polo too. And that's better suited for maybe a spinoff episode where we can dive into the landscape around those sports a bit more and we'll get to them in due time and netball as well. Cause like, I think we have that on schedule. The netball world cup is this year. So that's one I want to learn about. 
But yeah, a lot of stuff, a lot of good stuff. David, what do we got in store for next week? So I already gave you a hint last episode, so if you haven't listened to that one, but I'll say that uh, we mentioned this part in this episode. So with yes. that combined, surely you can figure it out. Be prepared for that. Should be fun. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. Every episode's fun. Week after that, we're going with another country profile back to the Middle East. I guess it's one of the countries that maybe isn't the first you'd think of. Yeah. Man, oh man, I'm excited for that one. Ah, <laughs> I wonder what country it is. <laughs> you keep giving them away. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm excited. I, it should be uh, a, a big learner. You know, like, I, I don't know. I don't know too much about the Middle East in general, you know, and so yeah. I'm sure it'll be very educational for me, at least, you know, and I'm sure for the people back home. It'll be educational for me, too. Like, it's when I don't know much about the country outside of sports, too, that I'm like, oh, I have to spend like a whole day just reading stuff. <laughs> Argentina didn't have to do too much. But yeah, like Madagascar last one I was like, oof, I don't know. Lemurs. <laughs> <laughs> just the first half of the episodes on lemurs. All the various <laughs> lemurs. There's no people here. It's just lemurs. And they yeah. play sports. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, thanks uh, for listening, everyone. Um, if you like the show, the best thing you can do is share it with someone you think would also enjoy it. Um, we're on every major podcast platform that I know of, um, some that I you know didn't know of before this. Um, leave us a like, a share, a follow, and tune in next week. We're here every week um, with a country profile or a spinoff episode. And we have contact information in the show notes if you want to reach out to us. Tell us something about Argentina. Tell us about a sport you want us to cover. We'd love to hear from you. So, yeah, thanks again for listening, and uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.